Welcome to the Positive Sports Podcast. I'll be your host this evening, Ed Montana. Alongside me today, in spirit only, my brother Alex, who is not able to make it. Unfortunately, you only get half of the tag team duo that is the Positive Sports Podcast. Alex has some other commitments going on, so you just get me podcast uh, Positive Sports Podcast light, as I like to call it. Um, <clears throat> it's been a it's been a relatively quiet week in sports, uh, nothing crazy. But here we are on Monday, February twenty fourth. Uh, it's evening time, <clears throat> and the 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 big event really of the week, and, and certainly of today was the Kobe Bryant uh, celebration of life service. Uh, really a, you know, this has reached out and touched so many people, uh, it's really kind of hard to put it into perspective sometimes. And I think the Lakers organization, the NBA, the players, everybody has treated it with such respect and it has been such an, uh, such a classy and um, reverential uh, uh, mourning period. It's been it's been a while now, um, and it's hard to believe that uh, it's still hard to believe that Kobe is is gone, uh, along with his daughter and the seven other people on that helicopter. Um, so today they had uh, what they called the celebration of life service. Um, <clears throat> And it was, it was just that. It was very respectful. It was very tasteful. And it was very neat to hear the stories. Um, obviously, we, we, we heard from Vanessa Bryant, Kobe's wife. Um, I, I can't even begin to imagine her pain of losing her spouse and, and a daughter. Um, a very, very difficult time for her. And I thought she was... Incredibly classy. Um, her thoughts were incredibly composed, really, for for the moment. Um, you know, Michael Jordan couldn't stop the tears from flowing. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Um, but it was amazing to hear her recount um, stories of her daughter, of Kobe, of the people they were. I thought it was great because it gave us an opportunity to see a different side of Kobe. Um, you know, obviously we've seen him on the court and we know what he was like as a competitive athlete at a high, at a very high level. But it was it was really neat to hear the stories of what he was like with his daughters, what he was like with her, uh, what he was like at home, what he was like after he finished playing basketball. Um, <clears throat> Obviously, he's been in the public eye for a, he had been in the public eye for a long time, and you know sometimes you just forget that these are sometimes they're regular human beings, regular dads, regular husbands, regular people. Uh, just because they have one incredible skill that you see on TV two or three nights a week for eight months out of the year, doesn't mean that they don't have their own personal lives. And it was it was refreshing to hear those stories. And obviously, over the last few weeks, we've heard several stories like that. <clears throat> Um, it was hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, uh, which I thought was a great choice. Uh, he found it difficult to stay composed and, and understandably so they were friends. Um, but you had a lot of, a lot of big names, uh, speaking at, 
at the ceremony, which I thought was really, really cool. And obviously it was mostly basketball uh, people, right? Um, you had, uh, you know, uh, I mentioned Vanessa Bryant, but, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, Michael Jordan, uh, Gina Ariema, uh, Rob Palenka, the GM of, of the Lakers, um, <clears throat> uh, Diana Taurasi. You know, you had a lot of basketball people uh, talking about, Kobe and about Gianna, who had very much had high-level basketball aspirations. She wanted to go into the WNBA and and whatnot. Uh, <clears throat> and just it was it was incredibly tasteful. It was very well done. Uh, you obviously had musical performances: Beyonce, Alicia Keys, Christina Aguilera. Uh, you know, it was the who's who really coming out to to be a part of this celebration of life. People, they, the Staples Center was filled to the brim. Uh, I don't know how much tickets were, but um, <clears throat> you know those tickets went to uh, Kobe Bryant's foundation and then went to charity. So you know, it, even in passing, he's doing some good for the people of Los Angeles and for other people around the world. Uh, it was just a just a fantastic service. Um, <clears throat> It's difficult to uh, watch, or in my case, listen to. I, I, I didn't watch it. I was at work, but I had it on. It is extremely difficult uh, to hear all the stories and to know how much his wife and his gr- other girls are going to miss him and their sister. Um, it, it's very, very difficult. And as a dad myself, um, it was just really hard to listen to, um, especially especially Vanessa's comments about Gianna. Um, you know, I was I have three kids myself. Uh, Alex has kids as well, and you know we've talked about this. <clears throat> the thought of one of them being gone is, uh, you know, I, I I just I can't imagine life like that. You know, I I've got two that are grown, one that's you know still in school, and uh, and I I can't imagine life without in any of them you know I, I can't imagine them any one of them being gone it's a it's a terrible cross to bear for Vanessa Bryant my heart really goes out to her um and and her other daughters um <clears throat> you know it's the same thing with uh with the other people that were on that helicopter you know we've talked about this before it's ex- it's incredibly sad for all of those people and their families and friends it's really it's heartbreaking um, you know, they were all young people, had a lot of life to live and a lot to give. Uh, there was a baseball coach on that plane. Um, his wife and his daughter were on there. You know, they had two other kids that were at home. Now those kids don't have their parents. They're a little bit older, but, you know, it's just incredibly sad. And it really makes you realize or it really hammers home the point. That you should live every day to the fullest and live every day connected to the people that are important in your life, connected to the people that matter. Um, everyone matters to somebody, right? Um, and, you know, make that phone call to your parents and say hi. Uh, you know, make sure you hug your kid good night. Yeah, you know, like, my kid's 14, he's got a mustache, and he's all prickly, right, because he doesn't shave. And, you know, I, I still want to hug him and, you know, go cheek to cheek with them and give them a 
big old hug every night before he goes to bed. And I see him in the morning, and I, or when I leave for work, and he's still here. You know, I, I give him a big old hug. Do that. Spend more time with your kids, and <clears throat> tell the people in your in your life that you love them. Tell them you love them, because uh, you just never know what's gonna happen. And uh, you know, if nothing else, it really should bring to mind that. You know, we're, we're people and whatever we do in this life kind of really doesn't matter. Uh, it, what matters is the people that you do things in life with, right? It didn't matter. In Kobe's case, it didn't matter that he was an extraordinary basketball player. It's all the people's lives he touched, right? His wife and his children and uh, his friends and his foundation and all that other stuff. At the end of the day, how you do it really doesn't matter. It's what matters is you know that that you do spend the time with with people and and uh, you know get off your phones and uh, hug your kids, make a phone call to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while, and uh, you know be connected to people. I think we spend too much time on our phones. You know our phones. Our, our phones have replaced our, our watch, our calendar, our post-its, uh, our, inter- you know, our, our, our computers in some cases, right? It's like a computer. It does everything for you. Uh, it, it, it replaced your address book. It replaced, you know, it replaces so many, it replaces your, you know, your just so many things in your life. It, it replaces all of it. Don't let it replace your family. Don't spend your time on your phone when you can be spending time with your family and friends. Um, I know it sounds like I'm going bad on on phones, but you know sometimes I I go out to dinner quite a bit with my family, and it's amazing how many times they'll look over at a table and you see mom and dad on the phone and the kid on the tablet, and they're having dinner together. But are they really? You know, it's just let's be more connected to the people that we care about in our lives, and let's spend time with them and. You know, support their goals and aspirations and enjoy their birthdays and accomplishments and <clears throat> push them through school to to be smarter, better human beings. Volunteer at <clears throat> at, uh, at shelters. Volunteer to help people that are less fortunate. Let's do more for people in our, in our lives and, and less worrying about what's on the phone and stuff like that. Anyway... I'm sorry I'm starting it off as a bit of a downer, but it it, um, it was a beautiful celebration. It did celebrate his life. I thought it was a great uh, event overall. And it was, like I said, the stories are priceless, right? Hearing about Kobe playing basketball and uh, just all the Kobe stories were great. And um, I just hope and pray that this brings a little peace to... Uh, Vanessa Bryant and her family and, and all of Kobe's friends and as well as the Altabelli family and the other the other people that were on that helicopter and their families as well. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> the really uh, the big event over the weekend was the heavyweight matchup between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. <clears throat> Probably one of the most highly anticipated. Um, one of the most highly anticipated heavyweight fights, title fights, ever. 
I, I, it was just the, the buzz was amazing. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, it was a rematch. Uh, just to bring bring you up to speed, they met in November of 2018, I believe. And in that fight, it ended up being a draw. Uh, most people think Fury won the fight. I think you. I think Fury won the fight. To be fair, though, Wilder did knock Fury down twice. Um, he knocked him down in the ninth round, uh, where you know Fury ended up on a knee, uh, and then in the in the twelfth round, he knocked him down, and it looked like he knocked him out. I mean, he was flat on his back, arms spread out. And then, like the Undertaker in the WWE, he just rose up at the count of six and just stood right up, shook off the cobwebs, and actually <clears throat> probably won a fair amount of the remainder of that round. Uh, just an incredible performance by both men that evening. And so, Saturday night, we had the rematch. February 22nd, 2020, the two men finally got to the point where they were going to get in the ring again to try to settle who was the better heavyweight. Both men had two fights in between. Both men won impressively. Wilder more so than Fury. Wilder won both of his fights by knockout. Uh, in one fight, he beat uh, a gentleman by the name of Brazil, which it looked like it looked like he killed him. Uh, the guy, he, he hit him and... He dropped like a sack of potatoes. I mean, literally just straight down, collapsed from the shot. And then <clears throat> he beat a tough Cuban fighter by the name of Ortiz. And just one punch, square on the forehead. And that guy's eyes were rolling in his head before he even hit the ground. It was just incredible stuff. His power is uh, just, it's crazy. He's got crazy power. It's... um. It's 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 unreal. His technique is not perfect. He's not. He doesn't have perfect boxing technique. But his power for not. And he don't get me wrong. He's a big man. He's a heavyweight. But he's not a big heavyweight, right? He's he usually fights around two twenty. Which today's day in heavyweight, that's not that big. And most of these guys are at two fifty. And. Uh, but his power in, in those hands is just, it's its crazy power. It's crazy power. It, it, unbelievable. Probably the hardest hitting guy in the heavyweight division. And Fury had uh, two fights with uh, two lesser opponents. He won both of them, although he did struggle a bit in one of them where he got, he got touched up quite a bit, ended up with a pretty nasty gash over one eye that required 47 stitches. Uh, you know, that fight wasn't won by Fury as much as it was won by his cut, man, because it's incredible that they didn't stop a fight that required 47 stitches. So, the more impressive since their first fight was Wilder, but still, uh, Fury is highly skilled, undefeated, and... Uh, <clears throat> And really not, not to be messed with. And the storyline going into the fight, which I found very interesting, was all of the changes that Fury had made to his surroundings. He, um, <clears throat> he started training at a new gym, at the famous Kronk Gym. Uh, he, so he got a new trainer. He uh, changed out his cut man, got a new cut man, which, you know, I mean, he got the best in the business. He got Stitch Duran, but... 
I mean, the last guy saved your bacon uh, on a cut that required 47 stitches. I don't, I don't understand why he made the change, but whatever. And the talk before the fight, especially by Fury, was that not only was he going to win, but he was going to knock Wilder out, which I thought was very interesting. Fury is not a particularly powerful puncher. He's a very much a boxing technician. He moves extremely well for a guy who's 6'9", 250, 60 pounds. Uh, but he said he was going to knock him out, which I, I found very interesting. And that, amongst all the other changes, really gave me pause. I'm not going to lie. Before the fight, I thought it was a 50-50 fight. But if I had to bet on it, if I had to put my hard-earned money on it, I think I would have bet on Wilder simply because I didn't trust all the changes uh, that Fury was making. It's just It seemed kind of weird that he was going through all these changes. Here he is undefeated and he changes trainers and you know, he goes through the process of changing cut man uh, you know, when he obviously had a very good cut man. It just all struck me as very odd and, uh, and, it, and it made me worry a little bit. Uh, the talk before the uh, before the fight, certainly in the week leading up to the fight, was also that he was going to be heavier, much heavier than he was before. The first time they fought, I believe it was about uh, he was about two fifty three, I want to say, and uh, <clears throat> and Wilder was about two twenty, and uh, and he said he was going to come in bigger. Now, that's kind of not that big of a deal when you're a heavyweight, right? They fluctuate 10, 15 pounds. When you when you got 250 pounds to throw around, 10, 15 pounds is not that much. It's not like your average guy who's 170, right? I mean, it's like a human being and a half. 10 pounds is not a big deal. But when they tipped the scales on Friday, he was 273, which is the, which is the heaviest he's been in any of his fights. And so that gave me even greater concern. Uh, Wilder also came in heavier, came in at 231, uh, which is heavier than he's been for most of his fights. And I think, you know, Wilder is kind of, I think kind of, maybe not still growing into his body, but he he has room to get bigger and still maintain his speed and his power. So it kind of didn't surprise me too much that he was heavier. Uh, Plus he knows, you know, he felt the weight of dealing with Tyson Fury before. You know, he knows he's got to get bigger, or he feels he's got to get bigger. So coming into the fight, man, I, I st- again, skill-wise, you've got the technician in Fury who can, uh, you know, who can, you know, dance his way through a fight and really put a pace on you, jab, and, you know, stick and move, and really you know, a true boxing boxer. And then you've got Wilder where... Wilder doesn't have to be good for 12 rounds. Wilder can be good for about 15 seconds. And if he lands some combination, he puts you to sleep. And it doesn't matter who you are. So it was very, very intriguing. It's always been an intriguing matchup. It was an intriguing matchup the first time. Both men with a ton of confidence. Both men with the guts to put it all on the line against each other. Uh... Deontay Wilder officially, was officially the WBC champion, but Tyson Fury also had something to lose. Um, you know, he was the he is the lineal heavyweight champion. You know, if you follow that line of who beat who, he is the man. The only reason he he wasn't champion going into this fight is because you know he left the sport. He got stripped of the title, uh, had some weight and mental health issues, and that's how he lost his title. So he's never lost. So it was very. 
interesting, very even matchup. And so we get to Saturday night. And oh, by the way, the one caveat, not, he also made one other change, which I found interesting at the time, and I really didn't pick up on it, but he got George Lockhart, who's a, uh, a relatively famous uh, MMA nutritionist. And in MMA, they really you know deal with weight and weight management and nutrition and whatnot. Those guys are probably ahead of boxing in terms of dealing with weight issues because the weight classes are so much bigger apart. The limits are so much bigger. So heavyweight goes all the way up to 265. Light heavyweight stops at 205. Middleweight stops at 185. So that's a 20-pound gap. Uh, welterweight, 170, 155, 145, 135. In boxing, it's a little bit different because... Um, <clears throat> It's a little bit different in boxing because there's weight classes every seven pounds. So the you know the 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 nutrition aspect of it is a little bit less important if you if you want to put it that way. And so you know it, it was interesting to me that he made that change as well. Well, we get to fight night. Uh, Tyson Fury looks much bigger. He's uh, you know he's a couple of inches taller than Deontay Wilder, and the forty pounds are noticeable. But what was amazing is Tyson Fury started the fight at a very high pace and pushed forward and made Deontay Wilder fight off the back foot. And Deontay Wilder never seemed to get into any kind of rhythm. He couldn't get his shots off because Fury was just in his face the whole time. And what Fury did, which I thought was very good, was he got him in the clinch a lot. And when they got in the clinch, he put his weight on him. He leaned on him a lot. He made Wilder feel that 40-pound difference. And he, in my opinion, Fury won just about every single round. I Maybe the first round you can give to Wilder. Wilder landed a couple of clean shots early on. And, and Fury didn't, didn't do much. He, he did a lot of grab and hold. Um... And lean on him. So maybe Wilder won the first round. But other than that, it was a shutout. And really, by the time you got to the fourth or fifth round, Wilder started looking tired. Could not keep his hands up. Was starting to eat shots from Fury. And Fury, again, continued to push him up against the ropes. Grab onto him. Lean on him. Um, you know, one of the things I wonder in retrospect is... Kenny Bayless, who's an excellent referee let them work in the clinch quite a bit. He didn't immediately break them every time they clinched up. He let them try to work their way out of it. And in that time, Fury, again, like I said, Fury leaned on him and a couple of short shots to the body to try to loosen him up. I wonder a different referee, if a different referee would have refereed that fight and broke them up immediately every time they clinched, which some referees do, and that's fine. I wonder if we wouldn't have gotten a different result. Part of me says yes, part of me says no, because I think the only difference in the result would have been that it would have lasted longer. But I think eventually we were going to get to the result that we got, which is Wilder was just exhausted, could not hurt Fury anymore because he was fighting off the back foot and Fury going forward. And really, once Wilder started to suffer, you know, he really started to put the shots on him. Uh... 
<clears throat> at the end of the sixth round, Wilder's main trainer, <clears throat> who normally sits stays outside of the ring in between rounds and basically talks in his ear, came into the ring and was nose-to-nose with Wilder. And I thought he was going to stop the fight right there. I think he very much told Wilder, look, you're taking a beating here. If you don't turn this around, I'm going to stop it. And you can see kind of Wilder's face. He was still he was still paying attention. Uh, he had been dropped a couple times earlier in the fight, but he was he was still focused on the fight. He was not he did not look like he was going to quit. He did not look like he wanted out. So I don't I don't want to paint that picture because that's nothing could be further from the truth. He wanted to fight on, um, and he never gave his uh, manager, his trainer, or or anyone the indication that he did not want to continue. He very much wanted to continue, and he was pushing through. Uh, and, you know, I, I think he felt, like I mentioned earlier, he doesn't have to be perfect for 12 rounds. He's only got to be good for 15 seconds. And if he lands some kind of combination, it could be lights out. And I think he kind of hangs his hat on that, and he's never going to quit in a fight uh, because he's he's just he knows that he, if he catches him, he, he's going to put his lights out. So, you know, he's not going to quit. And, and I don't blame him for it. Um, and so we get to the seventh round. And, you know, finally, while Fury is still outpointing him, really sneaking in some solid jabs. And at the end, just gets him in the corner and just, I mean, just throws probably six, seven, eight punches in a row. Completely unanswered by Wilder. Wilder's not doing anything but holding his hands up. Uh, most of those shots didn't get through, but still, when I mean, when your hands are pressed up against your face and cheeks, and those punches are hitting your hands, you know, that's pushing on your face. You're still feeling some of that force. It's not a clean shot, but it's still a shot, and you know it's still rattling his cage probably. And at some point uh, in the middle of that seventh round, one of the trainers. From Wilder's corner, threw the towel in, and they stopped the fight. Personally, I think it was a good stoppage. Uh, I think it was a smart thing to do uh, by his corner. I think it had gotten to the point where Wilder was not going to win. It was to the point where Wilder was tired enough that he wasn't going to find 15 seconds, a good 15 seconds to land a two or three punch combination or even just a one shot. It just wasn't going to happen. Uh, Fury was going to keep coming forward. Fury looked to be in incredible shape for a man that's 200. For a man that's 6'9", 273 pounds, to push that pace the way he did for seven, six and a half rounds was incredible. What was more incredible is at the end of that fight, he looked like he could have gone another six rounds at that very same pace. So I don't think there was going to be any let up in Fury. It was Fury's night and Wilder just got beat by a better man. Uh, you know, would it be different if the referee was the type of referee that broke him up right away? I don't know. Did, did, did Wilder just not have his best legs that night? I don't know. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of excuses that we can make for Wilder. Um, but the fact of the matter is Fury was just unstoppable. And, uh, you know. He just he just put it to him. Now, as champion, Wilder has a clause in his contract where he has 30 days to demand an immediate rematch. 
He may or may not exercise that clause. I don't know. Fury certainly wants to do it again, and why wouldn't he, right? He's, he's, he, Fury feels like he's beat him twice. Why wouldn't he want to do a third fight? Obviously, the money is good. It's great for business, uh, for, for Fury and for Wilder. Um, and if Wilder doesn't, if Wilder wants to take some time off and work on his game a little bit, maybe fight a little bit lesser competition, then Fury is more than ready to take on Anthony Joshua, the British heavyweight who holds the other belts. And we could have a unification fight that would be huge, especially in England. Both of these gentlemen are English. It would be just a monster fight. Uh, I actually think they would do it in England and they could probably fill up one of those big old soccer stadiums and get 85,000 people in there. I mean, it would be massive. It would be an absolutely massive fight on a global level. We here in the U.S. might not care as much as we would if it was Deontay Wilder, let's say. But worldwide, boxing-wise, as a fan of boxing, it would be massive, massive, massive. Um, I, I get the feeling that Wilder will ask for the rematch. Uh, he's got some things to work on. Uh, he can't just rely on 15 seconds of good. He's got to be good throughout because... Fury has proven that, A, not only is he a boxing technician, but he has a gas tank, and he can push the pace. And when a 273-pound man is coming forward, it may as well be a freight train. I mean, it, it just may as well be a freight train, and you're standing on the tracks. Uh, you know, that's a problem. So he's got to be ready to go. Uh, he's got to be absolutely ready to go uh, with Fury. I don't think he took him lightly, but he, he can't come in there and just expect to knock him into next week, so to speak. Uh, you know, I think it's he's got he's got to change some stuff. He's got to improve his game considerably before they fight again, or I think the result will be similar. The other news of the weekend is the start of spring training. And so when we talk about baseball, there can only be one topic of conversation when it comes to baseball this time of year or this particular year, and it's the Astros. And so the Astros are starting their first few spring training games. Ironically, their first game was against the Washington Nationals. Now, it's nothing really happened, but a few things to note, and it's something that I think will, we'll see how it pans out going forward. I thought Dusty Baker did a very, very smart thing on Saturday for that first game. He didn't play any of the regulars. None. None of the big names. It was all bench guys and guys trying to make the team and AAA guys, guys that didn't have anything, guys that no one knows, no one remembers their name. And I thought that was very smart. The guys got booed whenever they stood on the steps for the national anthem. You know, whenever the fans could see them, they got booed and heckled and stuff like that. But let's face it, that's a lighter version than if they had come out and played, right? When they get introduced in the in the lineup, right? Or when they go out and take the field or when they come up to bat. So I thought that was a very, very smart thing for Dusty Baker to do. Look, the Astros have done a lot of things wrong. One of the things they've done right, however is hire Dusty Baker. Aside from myself, that's probably the best manager they could have hired. 
Yes, I said aside from myself because I would love to manage the Astros, and I think I'd be darn good at it, especially with a roster like that, damn it. I would take Alex as our bench coach, and we would change the name of our podcast to First Time MLB Managers. Managing MLB, positive MLB managers. We change the name of the podcast. There you go. Uh, But Dusty Baker is the right guy to handle these muddy waters. He's the right person to take them through this because it's going to be difficult at times. It's going to be very difficult at times. He's going to know how to steer the ship. Plus, people around MLB like Dusty Baker. And if there's anything the Astros need, it's a likable face in this franchise. Because baseball teams, baseball fans, they didn't like A.J. Hinch. He seemed smug. He didn't have a whole lot of cool answers for you. He didn't seem like like a fun guy. And when this stuff came out, people really piled on him. Uh, The players have done a poor job of ingratiating themselves with the fans over this whole scandal. Altuve, Bregman, they haven't done much to help their cause. The owner has said some boneheaded things that, again, has turned fans off. So the only likable face on this team right now is Dusty Baker. So I I think that was a very good move by them. And I think him not playing the starters on the first day was perfect. Let the people get some of that out of their system. It's going to happen everywhere. But at least the first one, the shocking one, eh, not that bad. Because the players weren't out there all game long. And on top of that, it gives the players a chance to kind of sit in the dugout. Let's see what we'll hear. And let's face it. A couple of weeks into the season, they're going to be desensitized. What if, what if, you know, look, most people aren't that damn creative. You know there's going to be a bunch of people walk in there and find a bucket somehow and start banging on a bucket every time they're up to bat, right? It's going to get to the point where they're going to hear the same uh, heckling over and over again, right? He's slowly going to let the players kind of become immune to this whole thing. So I thought that was a brilliant move. Uh, Altuve actually played today. His first at bat, he was booed roundly. Okay, but he's getting used to it. They're going to have to get used to it because it's going to happen everywhere they go. And quite frankly, it may even happen here in Houston. If enough fans show up from another team, it may happen here as well. So you got to get used to it. Uh, And the other thing too is they're going to get a lot of help from MLB. So they didn't let the fan. Some fans came in with signs, and they didn't let them take. They didn't let them take the signs in, right? So, look. Normally, you can bring in signs, but not against the Astros. So they're going to get a little help from MLB. Uh, there were no bean balls or anything like that. I think a lot of that is going to blow over. I. I we mentioned this last week, and I'm sticking to this. I think the one mistake Dusty Baker has made so far was asking baseball to protect his players. You can't do that. You can't do that. Let the players police themselves. Don't say anything. Let the players handle it. Because if Altuve gets beamed and the umpires have been told to protect the Astros, the umpires are immediately going to come out and give warnings to both benches and the next person that gets hit 
gets thrown out. Okay, so what happens then? Now Verlander or whomever on the Astros can't protect it, can't throw at one of their guys. And it makes the plate a little bit smaller for those guys because now they can't work inside because if they hit somebody, they're going to get ejected. So don't say anything. Let the players handle it. Look, if someone beans Altuve, the Astros have pitchers too. (laughs) They can do the same thing. So it's going to happen. Just let it happen. Once teams realize, hey, man, don't hit them because then they're going to turn around and hit me. Again, the players police themselves, right? Mike Trout is the leader on the Angels. If if he gets pegged because his pitcher pegs somebody, he's going to go back to that pitcher and say, hey, man, cut it out. Let's just play the game. I don't want to be in there, you know, taking a 98-mile-an-hour fastball in the ribs. Right? So let the players police themselves. That's just my opinion. I'll tell you what, though. The Astros are going to be the lead on SportsCenter for the first month because that's all they're going to talk about is who got booed and what happened. And the slightest little thing that happens is going to cause a stir. So it should be interesting from that perspective. Let's see. What else? The NBA season is going on. You know, we talked about this last week, but a lot of these races for playoff spots look kind of boring. You know, especially in the East, where the difference between the eight seed and the nine seed is two and a half games, which is not a ton, but it's enough that, eh, who cares, right? Like, and especially when you consider the nine seed is the Washington Wizards, who are not very good. Uh, in the West, it looks a little more interesting. You may, you got some teams there that can make some moves. Zion is playing great. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to watch that guy. Uh, it should be pretty interesting. I wonder. I wonder how well he's going to have to play to win Rookie of the Year, even though he's played half the season. Should be interesting though. But we will talk more about the NBA in the coming weeks for sure. Uh, I think that's about it for me. I'm going to go a little bit short today because I'm going to go watch a baseball game, high school baseball game. It's great, man. I, I can't get enough of sports. I love this stuff. Plus, I miss Alex. I kind of, you know, I love doing these podcasts and I love talking to you guys. But I'm not going to lie. I miss my brother. Like, this is a lot more fun when there's two of us here. Plus, he gets mad more than I do. It's much more interesting that way. <laughs> All righty, folks. As always, if you want to interact with us, you can email the show, positivesports10 at gmail.com. If you want to get a hold of my brother and yell at him for not being on the podcast, you can do so on Twitter at BrooklynGaucho1. If you want to get a hold of me and chat a little boxing or a little baseball, a little basketball, a little sports in general, you can reach out to me on Twitter as well at emontana21. You can catch this podcast on all of your usual podcast platforms. You can watch it on YouTube if you want to see our smiling faces, or you can listen to it on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, whatever podcast platform you choose to consume your podcast. We're probably on there. So there you go. Make sure you catch it. Smash that that subscribe button. uh, Make comments. uh, Like it. Whatever. Uh, We appreciate all the interaction with you guys. Uh, my shout-out goes to Tyson Fury. 
just an incredibly dominant performance this week uh, on Saturday. Just incredible. It's just absolutely incredible to watch a six foot nine, two hundred and seventy three pound man stand in front of a just a knockout artist like Wilder and really push and push and jab and poke and hold and I mean just really put it on Wilder and Wilder's no easy uh no easy uh no easy task by any means and he made he really dominated that fight for six rounds and 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 won and won the fight won it in the seventh um just an incredible performance overall so my shout out goes to him I'll be very curious to see what happens next with him it should be a lot of fun With that, we've come to the end of another wonderful episode of the Positive Sports Podcast. As always, folks, ignore the negativity. Be the positivity. Peace.